This is episode number 12, Getting Your Ham Radio License. We hope that all of you had a very good Thanksgiving, even in this COVID year of 2020, that uh, you were able to enjoy some fellowship and some food and some fun in whatever way that worked for you. And we certainly did as well. And It's we definitely did, been yeah. different. Yeah, we it sort of makes you count your blessings in a kind of a different way really this do. year. Uh, we do encourage you to go to our website, which is www.practicalprepping.info. When you go to that website, you're going to find a series of articles and different links that you can visit. And uh, we also appreciate your input. So email us or drop us a line. Let us know that you're visiting. And we'll have an article going on there probably by the time the podcast is up that is specifically about getting your ham radio license. So if you want a little bit more information, you're interested, go to the website and pull down that article. It's on the blog page or will be on the blog page. That will give you a lot of the information that we'll cover today and some additional information as well. We also like to thank our friend Eric in North Carolina for that website. He has a business. It's www.prolinedesigns.us. And he's also an app designer. If you have an interest in developing a website for personal use or business, or if you also need some sort of app construction, Eric is your guy for that. Go to prolinedesigns.us. Tell him that Mark and Krista sent you. And he'll be appreciative, and he will do a fine job for you. We're very proud of him and thankful for him as well. And he has been so easy to work with with this. He's had some suggestions that we hadn't even thought about. How should he's I say? He's kind of a wizard. I call he's, him a wizard. He's, he's a website of, wizard. He's definitely our website wizard. And I guess the uh, best word I'm looking for is vetoed a few ideas that I had <laughs> uh, when he said, uh, that really won't work. Uh, but he took the concept of what we were talking about, and he made it work in a way that was a whole lot better than we had envisioned. So go check their company out at ProLineDesigns.us. Did you know that amateur radio, what's commonly known as ham, is probably the very best method and in some cases the only method of communicating after a natural disaster like a hurricane or tornado or um, flash flooding or anything that would cripple our normal communication systems? I did know that. I've used it after disasters. Uh, I've used it in areas where you couldn't get cell phones, been able to communicate with uh, other team members and such as that, and it's just a tremendously good thing. Now, a lot of people say, what actually is amateur radio or ham radio? They picture just the old codger sitting at his desk typing out Morse code, and there are still a lot of old codgers typing out Morse code. (laughs) Morse code is definitely alive and well on ham radio, but it's no longer a requirement for any of the licensed classes that there are today. But what it really does is it uses a radio frequency on different bands, uh, and each of those bands has its own characteristic. For example, some of those bands lend themselves to very long distances, allowing contacts across the country or even internationally. Uh, Some of those bands are very good for talking two or three states over. One night I was sitting at the hunting club, and I was in what we call a rag chew, and I was talking with someone. Now, I was in the in center of Alabama, out in the m- middle of the woods, six miles from electricity, operating a radio off of a battery that was under the kitchen table in the camper with a shoddy temporary antenna, wire antenna thrown up, literally thrown up into a tree. And we were carrying on conversation 
between North Carolina, Florida, Alabama, and Texas. And it was sitting there just like we were in the room together talking. Some of the bands do that very well. Another thing, and this happened down there as well, off that very same system, actually it was that same weekend, I was able to talk to Aruba on that very, very simple system to be able to make a contact all the way to Aruba. So that's a fun thing to do as well. And that can be done on some of the bands. And some are used for local communications. And that's more of what we're going to talk about today is what's covered by the technician license. There are a number of licenses according to the band. There's three levels of license. And do you remember what those were from studying? Well, yes. The first level, the beginning level right now, is called the technician class or tech class license. A technician license allows the radio operator to transmit on every ham frequency above 30 megahertz, which includes 2 meter and 70 centimeters, where most local communications take place. And I happen to have, thanks to my encouragement from my husband, Mark, I have my tech level license. Yes, and and you can operate on all of the two meter bands. Uh, That's in the 144 to 148, I believe it is, in the United States. And that's a little bit different overseas. I think uh, England is, um, or Europe is 144 through 146. We actually get a little bit more band space here. And that is where most of the communications locally take place. That's where all of the storm spotting or most of the storm spotting goes on. This is VHF and UHF. Two meter is VHF. UHF is the uh, 70 centimeter or the um, 400 band. uh, 440 is what we call it. And so... That's where most of the local stuff takes place. The second level license is called general, general class license. And by the way, you are required to have a license, which is as a result of a test that you take. There Mm -hmm. are study guides uh, available for you to learn these things, and uh, you have a a, a test. And at the completion of the test... We're going to go into that very in-depth here in just a little bit. Okay, I just want to make sure that people realize that you test for the license, you get the license. The second level is called general class. That allows you to operate on all the bands, including the HF band, where most long-distance radio-to-radio communications take place. It's in those HF bands that you can talk across states. You can talk to the far side of the country. You can talk to South America. You can talk to Europe, Asia. That's where the long distance intercontinental type stuff is usually taking place. Now we're going to throw in a caveat to long distance communications in a little bit that's available to the tech. The technician actually gets a little bit of space in the 10 meter band, but the 10 meter band is not open as often as many of the other bands. Right now, we can turn around here, go back to the radio, and we'll find a band that's open that will work across the country. 10 meter is a good band when it's open. When I say open, that means that it's usable. It's within the maximum usable frequency of what the ionosphere is allowing right now. It's all dependent on that ionosphere. Which I think sometimes is better at night in our country in some 
depends on the band. Depends on the band. You get an 80 meter. Uh, 80 meter works a lot better at night than it does at daytime. Mm-hmm. It's not really a daytime band, but 20 and 40 meters is. Sometimes 20 and 40 meters is better in the daytime. Sometimes it's better at night. All depends on that ionosphere and those sunspots. So it can be a lot of fun. So let's talk specifically about the technician class and what that technician class operator can do. One, you can use simplex. That is same frequency radio to radio communications. Uh, that's basically what you'd call a line of sight type of a communication of the distance for your communication will be determined by the power of your equipment and your antenna set up as well. That antenna is so important. Probably the best advice there is put your money in an antenna. Mm-hmm. A friend told me one time a thousand dollar radio and a ten dollar antenna is a ten dollar radio system. Ooh, yeah. And a hundred dollar antenna and a hundred dollar radio will out talk it every time. Mm, there you so go. So it's very very important that that antenna. Uh, gets a lot of attention paid to it, and we'll talk more about that later. And we're going to do a, a, an article on antennas and improving the performance or the efficiency of an antenna on a handheld radio. Quite honestly, the antenna that comes with most handheld radios, it's crap. <laughs> just, just to be honest, yeah. it, it's crap. <clears throat> yeah. It's good for cleaning your ears and, you know. <laughs> running something down the barrel of your pistol to to clean it. There are a lot better options for under 20 bucks. A couple of better options that you can do with just a piece of wire. So we'll we'll do a lot more on that later. When we were talking about the power in the antenna, you can set up a 50-watt base or a mobile, which are quite good. And usually you can hit sometimes around 25 or more miles would be a very common occurrence. And we're talking simplex. We're talking radio to radio. A handheld radio gives you about a mile or two right? with a standard antenna that comes with that radio. But, and that, uh, includes, that includes the blister pack walkie-talkies available from the big like box stores mm-hmm. and the hunting stores and things like Something that. Something you play in the yard with the kids. Exactly. Kind of but it is possible to talk out about five miles if you've got a very good antenna. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that on the upcoming review of the Beofang UV5R. You know, that is the most popular radio in prepper circles today and so we're going to do a a, both a podcast review on that and we're going to do a review on the website of that as well something else we want to mention at this point too with ham radio usage is the use of what's called a repeater and again we're talking about technicians what technicians what? specifically can do right you can use their local repeater these simply are radios which receive your signal and then will retransmit it simultaneously which uses much more power and from a higher elevation so that allows you to communicate at much longer distances absolutely and in, in the highest location in our area in north alabama is montesano mountain mm-hmm. there's several repeaters up there and those repeaters do a tremendously good job in reaching out. Some of them go 75 to about 100 miles. Oh, absolutely. That's quite uh, a circle. Mount Chihaw, the highest point in Alabama, uh, has a repeater on it that will talk miles and miles and miles. I mean, I've, I've actually seen folks talk from Birmingham to Atlanta with the Chihaw repeater. And you're talking about a 125-mile trip by road anyway. Mm-hmm. So. 80, 90 miles 
straight line, and that repeater, it's a tremendous repeater, Mount Cheehaw, uh, just off of Interstate 20 as you're traveling between Birmingham and Atlanta. And by the way, speaking of repeaters, there are digital lists that you can actually uh, search online, and you can get a listing of the mm-hmm. repeaters that are close to you in your area when you become a tech and when you start getting into amateur radio, uh, you can dial in some of these repeaters depending on your location and utilize them. Absolutely. To, uh, there, there's to make a, contact. There's an app called Repeater Book and that you put in put in certain information and it will pick up on where you are using your telephone's GPS triangulation. And it will give you repeaters in the area that you're in. And you can even set the distance, like tell me every repeater within 100 miles of here. But if it, I think it uses like a 25-mile default. And I was looking the other night, and I think we've got six repeaters in less than five miles from our house. And some of those are on Montesano Mountain. Mm-hmm. When we travel, we can put that in. We can look and see what a near repeater is, and it will tell you a lot of. Inf- it'll tell you every bit of information you need to be able to use that repeater. Codes that you need to put in. The, they're called PL tones, and it's basically a privacy tone. And what it does is it keeps repeaters from interfering with each other. We were at our son-in-law's house, and I wanted to program my radio, so I just pulled up Repeater Book and found the three closest repeaters to them, and they range three to eight miles away, easy to hit with a handheld radio. I think the eight mile, I had to step outside to be able to do that. We'll put more of that in the article as well as we go along. There's another exciting tool that's available to technicians, and that's using the Internet. Yes, ham radio is keeping up with the 21st century, called Echolink. Works from the radio, the computer, even your smartphone. And there's also D-Star, which is ICOM proprietary digital system. There's the Yezu Fusion, which is Yezu's digital system. Yezu is a brand name. And then there's DMR, which stands for Digital Mobile Radio. And what these do is they use a repeater on each end. And the repeaters use internet to connect. For example, a number of years back, I used Echolink when I first became familiar with it and started playing with it. And from Birmingham, Alabama, with a handheld ICOM radio, 5 watts, I talked from Birmingham, Alabama to Birmingham, England. Now, honestly, I was only having to talk seven miles. (laughs) So I was talking from where I was to the repeater. The repeater was using the Internet to come out in Birmingham, England. And I was talking to a guy in his car driving down the road in Birmingham, England. But it's a great system. It's a way that technicians can reliably talk around the world. You can do it from your computer or you can do it from your cell phone, but you must have a ham radio license. And the reason for that is that on one end or the other, at some point, you are actually initiating ham radio transmission, radio frequency. That's the idea there. But you can actually get on to that and... It's a great tool for other situations because we've incorporated it into our family emergency plan 
as far as communications in case of a tornado, which is our most likely devastating event. We can communicate North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and we can connect with our family to find out we're okay. Absolutely. Listen, we're going to take a break for just a moment. We will be right back. I saw some boxes on the kitchen counter. Did you go by Jonica's Bakery the other day, or did you have that shipped to you? I was traveling through Gunnersville, so I did stop to see them, and I picked up a few things while I was at the bakery. And when were you going to tell me? Well, you've been very busy, so I didn't want to bother you. Hey, any time Jonica's Bakery boxes come through our door, please bother me. Okay, there's some things from Jonica's Bakery in the kitchen. Well, I found them, and I had a couple of those holiday sugar cookies. And more than a couple of the wedding cookies. Italian wedding cookies. Those are good, aren't they? They're my favorite. Are you going to be getting some goodies from Jonica's for our family Christmas get-together? I mean, our holiday protest? Well, of course I will. Uh, I'll probably have them shipped in a few days before, so they'll be fresh and awesome as always. You know, Jonica's Bakery makes holiday cookies, and they have the most delicious cranberry and banana breads, and the cookie bars are just out of this world. Folks, go to Jonica's Bakery website and see what they have that could be the hit of your party or get-together, or just to have for yourself during these holidays. Check them out today. That's www.jonicasbakery.com. Jonica's is spelled J-O-N-I-C-A-S. And we'll link them in the show notes as well as from our sponsor page on our site. Okay, there's several ways you can go about studying for that uh, amateur radio license to be a ham radio operator. You can buy a manual for use for self-study, or you can actually take an available class. You can look into that and study small sections at a time. You can buy what's called a test pool book. The A-R-R-L-A-R-R-L has a question pool. That's the American Radio Relay League. Yes. They're the ones that actually oversee the testing and the test questions and such. It's a complicated process, but they are the organization that coordinates all of it. And then they are the liaison with the FCC. They are a volunteer examiner group. Now, there are several other groups in addition to ARRL. Don't think they're the only ones that can administer a test. When I was studying for my tech license, something that I found to be very, very helpful was on the ARRL website, they had test question banks. You could take a practice test. They do, as well as uh, QRZ.com. QRZ.com was great. That really helped me. No brag, just fact. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I began to study for my tech and took the test within four days. And And she missed a question. Out of the 35 questions that they gave me, I missed one, and I was pretty incensed about that because I had practice tested to the extent that I was getting 100%. And practice tests are different every time you take them. Out of how many, there's four. They are the exact same questions worded exactly the same way. Yes. So it's not different from the test. But each practice test is different from the last practice test. That's what test I was trying took. to say. Yes, exactly. Uh, there's somewhere around 400, 450 possible.
degreed and certified educator myself, I found that to be a very valuable tool. I learned that I did not have to become an electrician or an internet wizard or a radio communications history buff. I didn't have to excel in those things. I simply had to learn the correct answer to go with each question. And I found that I was able to recognize when the questions were asked I began to recognize the answer because they're always in multiple choice form, exactly the way they're presented in the book. And I'm telling you, that was a complete game changer for me to be able to practice tests so well and to be able to test for real four days later and get my license right there on the spot. And once you get your license, that's when you can begin to learn. Absolutely. You learn a lot of the So that that's important to know. Now that tech study manual, I think it's called, something like that, it's good. It gives you all of those questions, all of those answers, a little bit of explanation. Now there's one better, and you're using it now f- to study for your general, and that's the Gordon West book. Now what I like most about the Gordon West book, now see, understand that every question has a cousin. So if you learn that question you kind of know the cousin as well. Mm -hmm. They may ask uh, a similar question in another chapter of the book, and you'll recognize some familiar information Exactly. So what Gordon West did was he pulled all of those questions and brought them together. So you're studying all of the questions on that particular topic at one time. Mm -hmm. And it just makes it... In in the Gordon West book, you get even more explanation behind this question of what's going on. More understanding. Let's let's put it that way. If you're a detailed person, that that type of book is going to really help you. Or if you want to know the why behind... Yes, it will explain, and and, and there's so many nice online resources. But do remember QRZ.com and ARRL as well as some great resources for beginning. And we'll link those in the show notes, and they'll be on the article as well. And going along with what she's talking about here is either memorizing or recognizing the correct answer. That's what we're really talking about. Right. There's uh, also hamtestonline.com. You can log in 24-7. It is a, it is a paid subscription, it's a paid subscription yes. but what I've looked at in Hamtest Online, which I've not used it, but it's got very good reviews and people that I've talked with that actually used it to get their ham license have been very complimentary of it. And the cost is about what you're going to spend if you go buy a book. Those books are 20-something dollars, and I think the technician course with Hamtest Online is like 30 bucks. And when you go general, it's like 35 and extra, it's like 40 But now, the good thing about Hamtest Online, right now, through the end of the year, through the end of 2020, which most of us will be glad to see go. You got that right. If you sign up with Hamtest Online, which we have no connection with them, we don't make a penny off of them. They're not an advertiser. We just know that this is a good online source for folks to utilize. If you sign up by the end of the year, by 1231 of 2020, you save five bucks. 
Now that's a six-month subscription, so to speak. So you have that available for six months, and you're not going to need six months unless life happens and something gets in the way. And if it does and you need more time, you can renew that subscription for like five bucks. So it's a very good resource for you to have. And if you upgrade, if you get your tech and you buy the next license, it extends the previous course that you had. Or if you do your extra, it extends general and technician for that duration of time as well. We talked about the ARRL. Now, they do offer uh, a ham radio tech license manual. It's about 33 bucks, And that question and answer manual that you were talking about that you used on your first one is around 20 bucks now. And so that's just, you can compare that with what HamTest Online or even HamRadioSchool.com can offer. There's also another resource called HamRadioSchool.com. Yes. Tell us about that. What I have found, and this is not necessarily for folks that um, are trying to get their first license, I've actually gone back and looked at hamradioschool.com recently. There's a lot of articles on there that explain a lot of things and explain a lot of the questions on the various tests. So it's a it's a great learning tool for those that are licensed as well as unlicensed. Now, when we're talking about studying, here's just a, a little bit of an idea, kind of a general guide of what you need to put in or to expect as far as study time. And uh, one for the technician should be 10 hours or less. 10 hours of study, you can do that an hour a day for 10 days and probably ready to go take your test. You can do it some places 10 hours at a time. There are some in-person courses that will do all day, and then they'll give the test at the end of it. Now, when you go to general, you're doubling your amount of time. They say about 30 hours. I put more than that into studying for my extra. But you also did the Morse code test as well, well didn't you? I did the Morse code for my general. <clears throat> did you? Oh, I okay. did. Okay. I did for my general, which is no longer required for any class. So don't think you have to learn Morse code to do that. Let's take another break, and we'll come back in just a minute and talk about testing. Can you believe Thanksgiving is this week? No, I cannot. But, you know, because Thanksgiving is this week, actually Christmas season is pretty much upon us, or at least it's not very far off. And the way that we've been able to tell is that obviously we've been seeing all the Christmas movies on Hallmark Station. And folks already have their Christmas trees up and decorated in their home. The radio stations are pretty much playing Christmas music. and Pretty soon it'll be around the clock, 24-7. And it's not too early to be buying my Christmas present either. <laughs> but if you're going to be ordering online, you better not wait too long. Let me encourage you to look at a very special place called Linden Lane Designs. Linden Lane Designs is an embroidery and monogramming service, and they do personal items that are so wonderful. They'll do monogramming of initials, and they'll also do phrases and pictures and images on 
t-shirts and sweatshirts, baby clothes, children's clothes, the most precious and adorable little outfits you've ever seen. They make wonderful and very personal and very appreciated Christmas gifts. Uh, In fact, we even ordered a few for our grandkids for Christmas. Go to their site at www.lindenlanedesigns.com. That's L-I-N-D-E-N. L-A-N-E designs.com and see what they have. But don't wait. Christmas is coming fast. We'll link them in today's show notes and they are on the sponsor page of our website. Okay, ham radio license testing. When should you test? If you're going on to that qrz.com and you're doing some practice testing, uh, if you'll gauge your results as you go, if you're consistently scoring in the 80% or better, then you're probably ready to test and it's likely that you'll pass because you'll only need 26 out of 35 correct, which is about a 74% in order to pass. In other words, they'll allow you to miss nine and you can still qualify. Exactly. So then what you'll want to do is find a testing location and date. Testing fees right now currently are around the $15 area. They will ask you for two forms of ID, a driver's license, or if you're not old enough to drive, either a work or a school ID. I was even testing with a nine-year-old girl, and she came with her dad. And so he was able to show, I think she had a passport, and I think he showed that. um, You can use passport. You can use school ID. You do need a social security number, but they don't ask you to show your card on that, but you do need to identify yourself. You can find a test by going to ARRL.net or ARRL.org. I think .net will actually direct you to .org, but the American Radio Relay League has a search feature on it that will let you put in your zip code and how many miles you're willing to travel, and that will bring up a list of possible tests in your area. You could also reach out if you do an internet search on any of the local ham clubs. It might be in your county or within a drivable distance. Uh, Maybe even visit some of those. They're generally very welcoming and very open to visitors to come and observe uh, some of their meetings, uh, and they should be able to give you information about any kind of testing locations, dates, and times. Uh, that you might have an interest in. ARES, the Amateur Radio Emergency Services, a lot of groups that are involved in that, RACES, and I've forgotten exactly what RACES stands for, but it's the, if everything goes to pot and the federal takes over ham radio for, uh, like, civil defense, then RACES members will still be able to communicate, and it'll be supporting people like FEMA, uh, probably won't ever happen, but it, that, that's what it's designed for. And those groups are often associated with uh, the EMA, or the Emergency Management Agency. So the EMA is not a bad person to call. They can put you in touch with somebody that can give you the information on taking a test. We will tell you, because of the COVID restrictions this year, we did discover that Ham Radio was doing online testing ever since about the end of April of 2020. It's a Zoom meeting with a webcam. Uh, Some of them do require some sort of proctor. It depends on the uh, examiners. and We don't really know what the cost involved is that because that's kind of a newer thing. We've never been involved in that. But uh, we're just accustomed to what 
the usual customary is as in-person testing. Uh, when you pass your technician class level license, you'll be offered the opportunity to take the general right then and there at no additional cost if you wish. And consequently, if you pass the general, you'll be offered the opportunity to try the extra class license level right then and there. In fact, Mark, tell that story about that gentleman that took them, what, all three in one day? Uh, yes, I actually, and this has happened several times, but I personally saw uh, a young man, uh, I say young man, he professional with um, a lot of brain power and a teenage son, and he took his technician, passed it, took his general, passed it, and took his extra and passed it. All in one day. All in one day. Wow. And now this guy's actually, he's an anesthesiologist and he had not been out of medical school a long time. And he said, this kind of told me what kind of brain power we're talking about with. He said, I looked at it and it was only 1,500 questions. And I knew I could memorize 1,500 questions. Wow. <laughs> and that's a rare it. person. <laughs> he, he did it. Don't be scared, listeners, because that's a rare duck right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, and the funny thing he told me later, he said, I didn't understand the language. He said, I had no idea what a diode did. So I had to go look up, and he could have just memorized the answers, but he wanted to understand. So he went and looked up what a diode does, and he looked these various things up to come to a better understanding, and he did this over about a two-and-a-half-month period. Now, is it always 35 questions for each level of 30, testing? 35 on tech, 35, I believe, on general, and 50 on um, extra. Okay. Yeah, so they, they, they expect you to do a little bit more earning on that uh, extra class, but oh, it's it's well worth it. it. It's Yeah. Now, the difference, she talked about a while ago that on uh, technician, you can talk on any ham frequency above 30 megahertz. Well, general, you get a lot. You, you can do anything that any other ham radio operator can do in any of the bands, but the extra, you can do exactly the same thing, but you get a little bit more space to do it in. You know, you might have so many kilohertz that a general can operate in, and you might have 10% more. One of the reasons I got my extra was so I can reach down, spin the dial, and anywhere it stops, I have privileges at that spot. Absolutely. We've participated in some nets, uh, radio nets, that can often take place in your local area, where at a given time, I think we were good at participating every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, right. we had a net that we were enjoying. This is just where a group of friends and new friends get together and, and you meet new people on this net where we all call in on the radio and identify ourselves you know, with our call signs and, and just talk about what's going on and how things are and what's going on with the net, what's new. And, and different you know. nets, it does it different ways. And they're mm -hmm. called training nets. And the idea is to get you ready for things that you may need to do on a weather net. And, and it's, like she said, it's just friends talking among friends. Some you check in with your call sign and your location. And if you're on a weather net, they want to know generally the area that you're in because they may have a question may need to get eyes on a particular storm. And so they'll literally call you and ask you to stick your head out the door and see if you see 
rotation in that cloud that might be showing some rotation on mm-hmm. the radar. Or the presence of hail or exactly. if the wind has changed. No, just weather type information that's very, very important. You know, it can't be but in one place at one time. And even the, the best weather digital um, equipment in the world still depends on humans to be able to make a judgment call on what they're seeing. Most of the time, now with dual pole radar, they can see a debris signature on it. Well, now you know you've got a large tornado on the ground. You may not be able to see that in an EF0, EF1, and they can't tell whether it's going all the way to the ground or not. So they need people to be able to put eyes on that. And that's where the storm spotters come in. A lot of ham radio supports the National Weather Service. National Weather Service is looking for those reports of what's actually going on. And we're getting off of licensing and we're getting more into what we can do. And we're about out of time here, but we want to encourage you to um, go look at the website, www.practicalprepping.info. We'll have the article up on this. Go to ARRL.org and look at some of the things that it takes to be licensed. It's really not that hard, folks. If I can do it, anybody can do it. A little bit of study, and you can pass that test, and you too can be a ham radio operator. And for now, we'll say 73. I'm KI4DHS. And I'm KN4CMT. Thank you for listening to the podcast today, and please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.